Genesis 29 this morning. <coughs> and we're going to begin reading from verse 31. <coughs> Genesis 29, verse 31. And when the Lord saw that Leah was hated, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. Leah conceived and bare a son, and she called his name Reuben. For she said, Surely the Lord hath looked upon my affliction, now therefore my husband will love me. And she conceived again and bare a son, and said, Because the Lord hath heard that I was hated, he hath therefore given me this son also. And she called his name Simeon. And she conceived again and bare a son, and said, Now this time will my husband be joined unto me, because I have borne him three sons. Therefore was his name called Levi. And she conceived again and bare a son, and said, Now will I praise the Lord. Therefore she called his name Judah and left bearing. Let's commit our time to the Lord in prayer. <coughs> Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, for this most wonderful day. We thank you, Lord, that we can uh, be together around your word this morning. Uh, we may not all be able to be here and present uh, in the church this morning, but we can in, in our homes, and we thank you for that. We thank you for the, the opportunity of live streaming. And so, Lord, we just pray that you would bless our time gathered around your word uh, Lord, give me wisdom now as I preach. Uh, I pray, Lord, this morning that it would be your words, <clears throat> that it would be your thoughts, that you give us understanding of your word and that you would speak to us, you meet each of us where we're at this morning. May we be blessed and refreshed by your word. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> now, last Sunday, of course, we saw uh, that Jacob now finds himself in a polygamous marriage. Now, he worked seven years for Rachel, but when the time came for him to uh, be married, Laban deceived him and instead gave him Leah. And so as a result, Jacob then agreed to work a further seven years for Rachel, and now he finds himself married to both sisters. Now, of course, this was quickly going to lead to problems within the home. You know, whenever God's pattern, God's design for the, the family is ignored, problems arise. And it's no different here for Jacob and Rachel and Leah. And the passage before us this morning, here at the end of chapter 29 and then the start of chapter 30, uh, records for us the birth of Jacob's sons through these marriages. And unlike Abraham and Isaac before him, who each only had one son who uh, inherited the promises, all of Jacob's sons would share in the promises. Now, of course, the Messiah could only come through one son, but they would all share in the inheritance of the promised land. And his sons, of course, would form the foundation of the promised nation, God's chosen people, the nation of Israel. And so it's for this reason that we have a detailed account here of the birth of each of Jacob's sons. And these sons would come through four different women, with Leah and Rachel competing for the affection of their husband. They uh, basically believed that the one who gave him the most children would be held in greater esteem. And this led to fleshly scheming on the part of both sisters and it led to a divided home. And so let's consider here this morning uh, Jacob's sons and the, the relationships that they came from. We see first of all here this morning Leah's first four sons. Leah's first four Sons. Let's just begin again in verse 31 of chapter 29. Uh, it says, And when the Lord saw that Leah was hated, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. The section begins by telling us 
uh, that God opens Leah's womb. In verse 30 there, it says, And he went in also unto Rachel, and he loved Rachel, uh, sorry, loved also Rachel more than Leah, and he served with him yet seven other years. In verse 30, we're told that Jacob loved Rachel more than Leah. This makes sense, considering the fact that it was for her that he had labored all those years. It was Rachel that he had desired to marry. It was Rachel who he loved. And so once they were married, he couldn't help but show partiality towards Rachel. You know, Leah was not unloved, but she didn't receive the same attention uh, that Jacob gave to Rachel. And we can only imagine what it must have been like for Leah when we put ourselves in that situation and try and understand how she must have felt to be the, the, essentially the third wheel in this marriage relationship. You know, she was forced into this position by her father and now she's suffering because of this position she finds herself in. And so in verse 31, we learn that the Lord, he is aware of her situation. Okay, it says, And when the Lord saw that Leah was hated, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. We're told that God saw that Leah was hated. And of course, hated there is used in a comparative sense. Okay, he was, she was loved less than Rachel. That's how the word hated is used. And God saw this situation. God saw her suffering. Okay, her, her, her emotional suffering. He saw her heartache that she was going through. And God here in, her gra- in his grace blesses her by opening her womb. That's what we read here in verse 31. Okay, when the Lord saw that Leah was hated, he opened her womb. And so this is the blessing of God. This is the grace of God towards Leah in her situation. And we have a wonderful example here, don't we, of how God looks down from heaven and God sees our situation you know he knows what we're going through God is aware of our suffering God is aware of uh, what we're going through even if no one else knows and even if no one else seemingly cares God does God sees and God cares you know this is a wonderful truth that's expressed well for us in Psalm 33 just turn over there just quickly Psalm 33 In Psalm 33 and verse 18, it says, Behold, the eye of the Lord is upon them that fear him, upon them that hope in his mercy, to deliver their soul from death and to keep them alive in famine. Our soul waiteth for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. For our heart shall rejoice in him because we have trusted in his holy name. Let mercy, O Lord, be upon us according as we, have, we hope in thee. The eye of the Lord is upon them that fear him. It's a wonderful truth, isn't it? God's eye is upon them that fear him. It's upon us as believers. And he is watching. And he is aware of our situation. He's aware of the suffering that we go through, the heartache that we face, the problems we face. And God will not fail us. And we see that here with Leah. We see that truth here with Leah as God sees her situation and God responds here by opening her womb. And he gives her four, quick, uh, four sons sorry, in quick succession. And Leah names each of these sons in accordance with how she's feeling at the time. And her firstborn son she calls Reuben. Look in verse 32. It says, And Leah conceived and bare a son, and she called his name Reuben. For she said, Surely the Lord hath looked upon my affliction. Now therefore my husband will love me. Now, the name Reuben basically means behold a son. 
It's an exclamation of joyful surprise at the, the compassion of the Lord, the grace of the Lord towards her. The commentator Wearsby notes that in the Hebrew language, the name Reuben sounds like he has seen my affliction. It's very similar to the word that means he has seen my affliction. So it's almost a play on words. And that's the reason for the name here. It calls attention to the fact that God had looked upon her affliction. God had seen her situation. And the verse itself goes on to make that point, doesn't it? At the end of the verse it says, For she said, Surely the Lord hath looked upon my affliction. Now therefore will my husband love me. We get a sense here already of Leah's heart for the Lord, don't we? We see her heart for the Lord. You know, when God gives her this son, her first response is that she says, Behold a son, and she's basically saying, God has seen my affliction. She acknowledges the Lord with the birth of Reuben. She gives glory to God. And we see also that she believed, she hoped, she prayed that this would result in Jacob's affection being turned towards her. I mean, that's what she says at the end there. Now, therefore, my son will love me. This was her hope. You know, she, she believed that God had blessed her with Reuben and that God had done this to bring about a change in Jacob, in his treatment of her, that he would love her more. The Reuben is then quickly followed by a second son named Simeon, verse 33. And she conceived again and bare a son and said, Because the Lord hath heard that I was hated, he hath therefore given me this son also. And she called his name Simeon. So the second son she calls Simeon. And his name means he who hears or the one who hears. And again, we see Leah's faith, don't we? She's recognizing here that God has heard her prayers, that God has seen her in her distress, and she acknowledges God here for the gift of her son. In verse 33, it tells us that the reason for naming him Simeon is because the Lord hath heard that I was hated. This is the reason she names him Simeon, because God has heard that she was hated. Yeah, evidently the birth of, <coughs> excuse me, the birth of Reuben had not changed things as much as she'd hoped. You know, she still found herself on the outer edge, you know, of the relationship. She found herself hated compared to her sister, Rachel. And so she'd been crying out to the Lord and God had heard her prayer and she acknowledges that. She acknowledges that God has not forgotten her, that God has once more heard her and seen her in her affliction and she acknowledges that with the naming of her second son, Simeon. In verse 34, we see her third son. It says, And she conceived again and bare a son and said, Now this time will my husband be joined unto me because I have borne him three sons. Therefore was his name called Levi. <clears throat> the name Levi means attached or joined. And again, we see the naming of her son reflected how she was feeling at the time. She still held out hope that with these now three sons, Jacob might be joined under her. She held out this hope that he would love her in the way that he loved her sister. And she was convinced that three, three sons was enough to, to ensure his attachment unto her. That's what she says there. Now this time will my husband be joined unto me. He believed three sons was going to be enough. And then finally we see in verse 35, she conceives yet again, and bears a fourth son called Judah. It says in verse 35, And she conceived again and bare a son and said, Now will I praise the Lord. Therefore she called his name Judah. 
and left bearing. She bears a fourth son. She calls him Judah. The name Judah simply means praise. It means praise. Now Leah here tells us once more, she tells us the reason for the name. She says, now will I praise the Lord. And she calls him praise. You see, we get a sense here that she's come now to a place of peace and contentment, hasn't she? She's had three sons. and With each son, she's given glory to God, yes. You know, with Reuben, she said, behold a son and God has seen my affliction. With Simeon, she said, God has heard me. With Levi, she's, she said, you know, maybe now my husband will be attached to me. She's acknowledged God, but every step of the way, she also wants her husband to be attached to her. That's part of her feeling. But see, with Judah, we simply see she says praise. She praises the Lord, and we get a sense that there's peace now. There's contentment in her life. God has blessed her with four sons, and we get a sense that no matter how Jacob feels towards her, She's happy and she says, I will praise the Lord. You know, I think Leah at times, she gets a bit overshadowed by her sister Rachel, doesn't she? She gets forgotten. But what we see revealed here is a godly woman. You know, this, this section at the end of chapter 29 reveals a, a godly woman who acknowledges the hand of God in her life and she gives praise and glory unto the Lord. The commentator Morris summed it up well. He said, Leah seems to have been a godly woman who spent much time in prayer concerning her marriage and her children. She acknowledged that her sons were given by the Lord in response to her prayers and her difficult position in the home. She does. She comes across as a godly woman who sought the Lord constantly in prayer and gave glory to God. You know, may we be like Leah. You know, may we seek the Lord in prayer and indeed give glory to God when he hears, when he answers our prayers, when he sees our affliction, because he does. May we, like Leah, give glory and honor back to him. But you know, her conduct is a complete contrast with that of her sister. And that's what we see secondly now. We see Rachel's fleshly scheme. Rachel's fleshly scheme. Chapter 30, verse 1. It says, And when Rachel saw that she bare Jacob no children... Rachel envied her sister and said unto Jacob, Give me children or else I die. And Jacob's anger was kindled against Rachel and he said, Am I in God's stead who hath withheld from thee the fruit of thy womb? You know, unlike her sister Leah, Rachel here does not conduct herself in a very godly way at all. It's sad really, the contrast between the two. You know, Rachel, she quickly becomes very jealous because Leah has been able to uh, give Jacob children, and, and, and she's still barren. She becomes very jealous. It says in verse 1 that she envies her sister. Okay? When Rachel saw that she bare Jacob no children, Rachel envied her sister. She envies her. She's full of jealousy. And no doubt this jealousy was fueled by seeing Jacob spend time with Leah and her children and seeing the happiness and, and the joy that they had. And so she becomes envious, and eventually that envy, that jealousy, comes out in the outburst, give me children, or else I die. And we can understand Jacob's reaction, can't we, in verse 2. It says, and Jacob's anger was kindled against Rachel. And he said, am I in God's stead, who hath withheld from thee the fruit of thy womb? We can understand his reaction. He's angered by her outburst. He's angered because it was completely unreasonable for her to get angry at him. 
You know, Jacob reminds her that God is the only one who could open or close her womb. He says, am I standing in God's stead? Can I do these things? Only God could do this. You know, Jacob rightly understood that God was in control of this situation. And so Rachel's attitude here is completely wrong. She is impatient. She is envious, jealous. Rachel is in sin. And she's not walking by faith. She's not trusting in the plan and purpose of God for her life. And it's this lack of faith that leads to the scheme that she now proposes. Let's look in verse 3. It says, And she said, Behold, my maid Bilhah, go in unto her, and she shall bear upon my knees, that I may also have children by her. And And she gave him Bilhah, her handmaid, to wife, and Jacob went in unto her. Rachel now resorts to the same sinful scheme that we've seen once before. We saw Sarah do the same thing years before this with Abraham. Go back to chapter 16 quickly. In chapter 16, verse 1, it says, Now Sarai, Abram's wife, bare him no children. She had a handmaid, an Egyptian, whose name was Hagar. And Sarai said unto Abram, Behold, now the Lord hath restrained me from bearing. I pray thee, go in unto my maid. It may be that I may obtain children by her. And Abram hearkened unto the voice of Sarai. And Sarah, Abram's wife, took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian, after Abram had dwelt ten years in the land of Canaan, and gave her to her husband Abram to be his wife. This is the same scheme that Sarah had used. With the sa- for the same reason. I mean, Sarah was impatient as well. She lacked faith in the, the purpose and plan of God, waiting upon him, and rushed ahead of God. And we see Rachel do the exact same thing. She resorts to that same sinful scheme. She takes her handmaid, Bilhah. She gives her to Jacob as a, a concubine, another wife, with the understanding that any children born from this relationship would be counted as hers. We see that in verse 3. It says, And she said, Behold, <clears throat> my maid Bilhah going unto her and she shall bear upon my knees that I may also have children by her. That phrase bear upon my knees that I may have children by her it basically speaks of this surrogate relationship, this surrogate arrangement. Any children born to Bilhah would be Rachel's. It counted as hers. And Jacob like his grandfather Abraham before him he listens to his wife And he takes Bilhah as a concubine. And this might have been accepted in the culture of the day, but it was certainly not accepted in the eyes of God, was it? Now, we've seen back in Genesis that God's design was one man for one woman for life. That was God's design from the very beginning with Adam and Eve. And here we have yet again, Jacob, he's going against God's plan. He listens to his wife and he takes yet another wife, a concubine. One commentator wrote this, Whence... We gather that there is no end of sin where once the divine institution of marriage is neglected. Jacob began with polygamy and now is drawn into concubinage. Though God overruled this for the development of the seed of Israel, he did not thereby condone the offense of either Jacob or Rachel. It's like a downward slope, isn't it? You know, he's in polygamy and now he ends up taking concubines or more wives. He adds to this sin. And even though God overruled this and used this to uh, you know, multiply his seed, 
God didn't condone this action. God didn't condone this sin. In verse 5 and 6, we see <coughs> that Bilhah soon conceives her first son. It says in verse 5, And Bilhah conceived, and bare Jacob a son. And Rachel said, God hath judged me, and hath also heard my voice, and hath given me a son. Therefore called she his name Dan. You know, Rachel, of course, accepts this first son as her own. <coughs> and she calls him Dan. And she makes this very bold declaration, doesn't she? She says, God hath judged me and hath also heard my voice and given me a son. She makes a very bold declaration, doesn't she? God hath judged me. The name Dan means judgment or vindication. And so Rachel views this child as proof that God has heard her complaints and that God has vindicated her. She views this child that is born out of a fleshly, sinful scheme as being a victory. She views this child as being the answer to prayer. She views Dan as evidence that God has blessed her actions. You know, just because a scheme works doesn't mean it's blessed of God, does it? Just because a scheme works doesn't mean it's blessed of God. And we can make that same mistake today, can't we? You know, we can be just like Rachel and we be, can become impatient with the Lord and, and have a lack of faith. And so we rush ahead of God and we try and make things happen on our own. And when our scheme seems to work, we think we're justified in our actions. We think, well, it worked. It accomplished an end. And we think we're justified. We think God's blessed it. But the truth is we've sinned. We've sinned. We, we've demonstrated a lack of faith and impatience with the Lord. We've rushed ahead of God. And there will be consequences to our lack of faith. There will be consequences to our lack of patience. And Rachel, she's going to learn that as well, isn't she? There's consequences to sin. There's consequences to our actions when we rush ahead of God. You know, we see Rachel's sinful attitude again in the naming of her second son, born to Bilhah, verse 7. It says, And Bilhah, Rachel's maid, conceived again and bare Jacob a second son. And Rachel said, With great wrestlings have I wrestled with my sister, and I have prevailed, and she called his name Nephtali. Now, the name Nephtali here means wrestlings. Wrestlings. And this name is a reference to the rivalry that she feels with her sister. And she feels that this son, with this son, she's prevailed. She's got the upper hand. I've wrestled with my sister and now I've pinned her down and I'm, I'm on top. She feels that she's going to be exalted now in the eyes of Jacob, above Leah. She already was, but that's what she feels. Rachel's motivation in all of this is self, isn't it? It's self. She's jealous of her sister. She's impatient with God. And so she makes things happen through this fleshly scheme. And then she rejoices thinking it's worked. And that she's prevailed over her sister. You see a woman who's full of pride in what she has accomplished. You know, she may mention the Lord here, but the Lord was not in this. That's the key, isn't it? She mentions the Lord, but the Lord's not in this. Her actions are in fact sin, and her actions lead to her sister now committing the same sin. That's our third point this morning. We see Leah's fleshly response. 
Verse 9, <clears throat> it says, And when Leah saw that she had left bearing, she took Zilpah, her maid, then gave her to Jacob to wife. Now this is a sad section to read, verse 9 to 13. We'll read it all in a minute. It's a sad section to read because now we see Leah, who before this, at the end of chapter 29, we saw demonstrate some godly character. We now see Leah following her sister's sinful actions. You know, one commentator noted this, Leah was led astray by Rachel's sinful example, both as to the spirit of unholy rivalry she cherished and the questionable means she employed for its gratification. She, she gets drawn into this rivalry with her sister and into the, the sinful means of accomplishing it. So we see that Leah, this one who was once content with the children God had given her, you know, chapter 29, verse 35, she calls him praise, Judah. She says, praise the Lord. She's content with what God's given her. She's at peace. She's praising God for his goodness towards her. But now we see Leah become likewise jealous. And we see her get caught up in this rivalry with her sister. And as a result, she likewise now gives her maid, to, her maid Zilpah, to Jacob as a concubine or another wife. You know, Leah thinks it worked for Rachel, so it will work for me as well. But from verse 10 and 11, we see that it wasn't long before this fleshly scheme produces results. Verse 10, it says, And Zilpah, Leah's maid, bare Jacob a son. And Leah said, A troop cometh. <clears throat> and she called his name Gad. So it's not long. And this fleshly scheme seems to produce results as well. Zilpah conceives and Leah names this son Gad. And this name has been given different interpretations. But let's just go with what the King James has rendered it here. It means a troop cometh or victory cometh. So it suggests to us that with this birth, Leah claimed a victory. She felt she was claiming a victory in this rivalry, this battle with her sister. This son is then quickly followed by another that she names Asher. Look in verse 12. And Zilpah Leah's maid bear Jacob a second son. And Leah said, Happy am I, for the daughters will call me blessed. And she called his name Asher. The name Asher means blessed or happy. Again, it reflects how she's feeling. She thinks that everyone's going to be calling her blessed because of all the sons that she's had. You now they pronounce her happy, her blessed, and she would be happy because of this. You know, as with Rachel, what we see here is the name of these sons here is all to do with the rivalry with her sister, isn't it? It's all to do with, I think I've got the upper hand. I think I'm ahead now. I'm above my sister. She believes she's claimed a victory. She believes that she will be blessed in the eyes of others because of these sons. You know, as we read this story, we find it difficult to understand how these two sisters could ever have been comfortable giving their maids unto their husband in this way. We find it difficult to understand, especially in our day and age. You know, jealousy and envy have ways of leading into all kinds of sin, don't they? Even today, jealousy and envy, if we allow them to take hold in our hearts, they can lead us into all kinds of wickedness. Before long, we find ourselves in a place we never thought we'd go. You know, Rachel and, Jay, uh, Rachel and Leah here, sorry, they probably felt justified in their actions because it was the custom of the day. But regardless of custom, it was still sin. Their actions were motivated by impatience, by pride, by jealousy. 
and it did not bring glory to God. And that makes what happens next even more amazing, doesn't it? Because what happens next here in the story is nothing short of God's grace and mercy to both of these sisters. You see, neither of them deserved what God was about to do, considering their simple actions. But God in his grace now opens both of their wombs and he gives them both two sons. And so that's our fourth point this morning. We see God's gracious response. God's gracious response. Look at verse 14. <clears throat> it says, And Reuben went in the days of wheat harvest and found mandrakes in the field and brought them unto his mother Leah. Then Rachel said to Leah, Give me, I pray thee, of thy sons mandrakes. <clears throat> this section begins now with the eldest son, Reuben. He goes out into the field during the wheat harvest. So he's obviously old enough now to play on his own. He's out in the field playing. And he finds these mandrakes in the field and he collects them and brings them home to his mother. And the mandrakes were uh, <coughs> like a, a fruit, okay, a little fruit that grew on the ground. They'd pick them and they were commonly called love apples. And that was because the people believed that they promoted fertility. That was what they, they thought. And it's because of this supposed value in promoting fertility that Rachel asked Leah to give them to her. Okay, we see that there at the end of verse 14. It says, Then Rachel said to Leah, Give me, I pray thee, of thy sons mandrakes. This is why she wants them, because she believes that this will help her to be fertile and to finally have children. And Leah's response, once again, shows us the rivalry between the two. And in particular, it shows us Leah's feeling that Rachel has stolen her husband. Okay, verse 15, it says, And she said unto her, Is it a small matter that thou hast taken away my husband, and wouldest thou take away my son's mandrakes also? And Rachel said, Therefore he shall lie with thee tonight for thy son's mandrakes. Now we get a sense here of the neglect that Leah feels, don't we? You know, she, she had thought that after bearing Jacob four sons that he would love her more. But since she had left bearing at the end of chapter 29, you know, Jacob had been spending more and more time with everyone else but her. It seems that he's been neglecting her. He's spending time with Rachel, he's spending time with their two maids, but Leah's being neglected. And it's for this reason that Leah agrees to the bargain that Rachel proposes there at the end of verse 15. Therefore he shall lie with thee tonight for thy son's mandrakes. Leah gives Rachel the mandrakes in exchange for the assurance that Jacob would spend the night with her. And in verse 16, we see her going out to meet him and tell him of this agreement. It says in verse 16, And Jacob came out of the field in the evening, and Leah went out to meet him and said, Thou must come in unto me, for surely I have hired thee with my son's mandrakes. And he lay with her that night. She goes out, she meets him as he's coming from the field. She tells him of the agreement that's been made. And Jacob honors this agreement and he spends the night with Leah. And evidently Leah had been long praying that God would open her womb and give her another child. And now the Lord in his grace and his mercy, he answers that prayer. Verse 17. And God hearkened unto Leah and she conceived and bare Jacob a fifth son. And Leah said, God hath given me my hire because I've given my maiden to my husband. And she called his name Issachar. <clears throat> We're told that God hearkened unto Leah. 
God answers her prayer and he gives her yet another son and she calls him Issachar, which means reward or hire. Leah considers this son to be the reward from the Lord for her hire, for the deal that she made with her sister. Now she says that God hath given me my hire. You know, she'd hired her husband with the mandrakes and God had given her the reward of that hire, given her a son. And then she adds another reason. Okay, she says, because I have given my maiden to my husband. This one's a little bit harder to understand. You know, either she is deluded enough to believe that God would reward her for sharing her husband with her maid, maybe, or perhaps this is, as one commentator put it, an implied acknowledgement that she had her fears that she may have sinned in asking him to wed Zilpah. Perhaps this is actually her acknowledgement, an implied acknowledgement, that she had actually sinned in giving her maid to her husband, and she felt that. And she felt that because of that action, God would never open her womb again. And so she says, the Lord has given me my reward in spite of what I did, in spite of my sin. Perhaps that's the way to look at the verse and sort of makes a bit more sense. But here she acknowledges God's grace, doesn't she? She says, God's opened my womb. She acknowledges God's grace in opening her womb once more despite her actions and rewarding her here with another son. And after Isaac's birth, it seems Jacob does spend more time with her because she becomes quickly pregnant again. Verse 19, it says, And Leah conceived again and bare Jacob the sixth son. And Leah said, God hath endued me with a good dowry. Now with my husband dwell with me because I have borne him six sons. And she called his name Zebulun. We see that she conceives again, bearing now the sixth son from her womb, and she calls him Zebulun, which means dwelling. And she acknowledges that the Lord has given her here a good dowry. Okay, she says there, now God hath endued me with a good dowry. She says, God's given me a good dowry. Six sons, God has blessed me. And she's again convinced that finally this will win over Jacob's affections. She says, now will my husband dwell with me. You know, certainly Leah found more joy and contentment in the sons that God gave her, didn't she? She found more joy and contentment in the, the six sons that God blessed her with, the dowry God gave her, than with the ones that she obtained through a fleshly sinful scheme. Now that brings us now finally to Rachel. We see that God now remembers her and opens her womb. Verse 22 in verse 21, we read of his daughter. It says, And afterwards she bare a daughter and called her name Dinah. And God remembered Rachel, and God hearkened to her, and opened her womb. And she conceived and bare a son, and said, God hath taken away my reproach. She called his name Joseph and said, The Lord shall add to me another son. Finally, we see the Lord now remember Rachel and open her womb. And you know, this had nothing to do with the mandrakes. The mandrakes that she had obtained from her sister did nothing to help her fertility. She continued to be barren until God, in his grace and mercy, opened her womb. And Rachel, you know, to her credit, you know, we haven't seen much positive stuff about Rachel really this far, but Rachel, to her credit, had continued to pray. Continued to pray that God would give her children. And here we see that God hearkened under her prayer. It says in verse 22, And God remembered Rachel, and God hearkened to her and opened her womb. 
You know, in those days it was con considered divine reproach if a woman couldn't bear children. And so Rachel here, she gives, she with joy and thanksgiving acknowledges that God has taken away her reproach. Verse 23, and she conceived and bare a son and said, God hath taken away my reproach. She acknowledges the Lord here. She says, God's taken away my reproach. She acknowledges that God has answered her prayer. And then she calls her son Joseph. It says in verse 24, Then she called his name Joseph and said, The Lord shall add to me another son. The name Joseph means God shall add. And it's a wonderful expression of her faith. Faith that God would now, that he's taken away her reproach, God would actually give her yet another son. And that son, of course, would be Benjamin. We don't read about him till chapter 35. But she would have a second son, Benjamin. You see, in God's perfect timing, Rachel had the joy of bearing her own children. You know, Rachel, she tried to find that joy, that fulfillment through human fleshly schemes, and she found no real joy. She found no lasting contentment. But when Joseph was finally born, she realized how much better it was to wait upon the Lord. You know, this morning, with the birth of Jacob's 12 sons, we've seen both the blessings of waiting upon the Lord and we've seen the destructive consequences of envy and jealousy and fleshly schemes. We've seen both all rolled into one, haven't we? Now, for Leah and Rachel, true happiness, true joy was found in the children that God blessed them with. It was not found in the ones obtained through the flesh. And now they had to live with the consequences of their sinful actions. You know, how much better would it have been if they had just been patient and waited upon the Lord? Instead of adding two more wives and children to this already dysfunctional family, how much better would it have been to wait upon the Lord? You know, we can all fall into the same trap, can't we? We fall into the same trap of becoming impatient and seeking joy and fulfillment through fleshly schemes. You know, true joy, true contentment is only found in seeking the Lord and waiting upon Him. You know, those fleshly schemes will only ever leave us with regrets. They'll only ever leave us wishing that we'd waited upon God. Because God's way is always best. Let's close in a word of prayer. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word this morning. And Lord, we thank you, Lord, for... Uh, the, the story here this morning of Leah and Rachel, the example, Lord, of the, the consequences that come when we rush ahead of you, and that, Lord, true joy and contentment is found in waiting upon you and seeking you and your will for our lives. Lord, may you learn, help us all to learn to put aside those fleshly schemes and just to be patient and wait upon you. For, Lord, your way is always best. Your will is always best. And we thank you for this now in Jesus' name. Amen.